Thank you for tuning in to Island Church Galveston's podcast. Today's podcast message is from Island Church's 2019 Fall Harvest Conference. Be blessed and encouraged by today's message. Always good to be back. Love your pastors. Love your church. It's a, it's a sister church, brother church, whatever it is, connected church. Just, you know, come here, it's feel, it feels like going home. And so I uh, always appreciate the warm welcome. And, and uh, anyway, I was just, Pastor, when you just said that, I, I had this flashback to, I, I don't know if it was one of our Fire for the Nations or prayer conference, but you, uh, you ministered to us by the Holy Ghost along those same lines. And you said uh, something to the effect of, uh, you know, you're, you're a lot bigger on the outside than you are on the inside, which is radically true. And uh, he said, but you're going to catch up. You're going to catch up on, going to catch up on the, uh, on the inside. I've been hanging on to that for about three years. And I tell you, I believe every word of it. Gonna, we're we're uh, going to catch up on the inside. And if we catch up on the inside, we're pro- we may have to go down and rent the BOK Center. I don't know. But if we catch up on the inside, and, uh, but you know, something's happening in Tulsa. Something, ha- something good's there. It's been, uh, you know, we, we've, you know, uh, lovingly called it Tulsa Jerusalem for a long time. <laughs> we got a lot of churches, but uh, um, there's just a, there's a young, a young uh, couple we met about three years ago. Uh, been a youth pastor in a church uh, North Tulsa and um, um, his pastor had just turned the church over to him just recently and and uh, I think I heard they had a few hundred people at the time I think when he took it a number of folks left and and uh, transition kind of throws some people off sometimes and and so uh, anyway he took the church we, we met him actually we were at a we got a phone call one day from ORU and the president of ORU had invited like, I don't know, 10 pastors to come that night and uh, sit in the, in the president's box at an ORU basketball game. Well, I hadn't been to an ORU basketball game for 30 years. And I, I got this call and I looked at my wife and I said, we need to go. She said, we need to go? And I said, yeah, we need to go. So we, we went and we sat behind this couple. We got talking to them and they had just, just gotten the pastor to this church and just the nicest young couple. And... Um, Anyway, just, you know, kind of watching them. And, uh, you know, I'm telling you, sometimes God has things in mind you just don't know about. And, and um, they, uh, all of a sudden, their church just began to literally explode. Um, I mean, it, it just exploded. People started coming from all over the city. They went to, I don't know, two, three, I have no idea, four services on Sunday. I don't know what's going on. And then there's this big uh, event center that's been sitting pretty much empty for a number of years, uh, about a mile from us. Uh, they're in, uh, in Tulsa, and uh, been sitting there. They build it as an event center. Just never really got off the ground. I, I guess it, hold, it would hold maybe 5,000 people. It's, it's an arena. It's a, an event center, huge thing. And uh, I got word the other day, they just bought that thing. And, uh, you know, I, I looked at it one time. I did some checking into it just for fun. And uh, they s- said they, they built it a number of few years back for, I don't know, 50, 60 million dollars. And it went through a few different owners, and it was on the market for like 12 million, and they'd let it go for 10 million. And I thought, whoa, whoa I don't need that. But anyway, <laughs> but um, you know, it's 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 just so, it's wonderful. You know, it's really nice sometimes to be able to look out there. Last Sunday, or two Sundays ago, was their 
first Sunday in that building. And it's going to take them probably a year to renovate everything. I don't know. But anyway, uh, they, uh, we started to leave to go down out of our church and head down Memorial, the main uh, thoroughfare, the main street there, and then catch the highway and head for home. And, uh, and, and there's so much, their, their car's all sitting there backed up. And I said, I said to my wife, I said, something's going on up there. There must be a wreck or something. Everybody's sitting still in traffic. Got a call later on, and one of somebody, one of our associates, went down that direction to get lunch, and he said, "I figured out what all the traffic is." He said, "It was all the tr the people coming out of this new church. They had so many people coming, they had a traffic jam on a Sunday at noontime." And I thought, "That's our neighbors. <laughs> that's that's our that's our new neighbors." And, and uh, you know, and I thought, "Boy, isn't it wonderful? <clears throat> excuse me, wonderful. We can get we can shout with somebody." that's doing something we're not doing. And I thought about that. I looked down there and I thought, they're reaching about 5,000 people in our city that we aren't and probably never would reach. And, and something's going on. And, and so anyway, it's just, I'm looking out there, I'm thinking, you know, I, there's a lot of craziness going on in our nation right now. A lot of craziness. If you want to go politically, economically, all this, there's a lot of craziness going on, but don't let that fool you. There's something, there's something, there's something, what's that song? Something moving, something shaking, something shaking, something moving. I don't know. My wife gets all the words. I just get the tunes. I mean, I don't get them. I remember. Anyway, there's only one musician in our family. But uh, anyway, we're just living in a really exciting time. I, I, we got word the other day that uh, probably some of you have heard this, but um, my wife found an article. Uh, she's the Facebook person, in the, again, in the family. I am not the technical one. I got on Facebook for a little while, and and I begin uh, re, uh, um, confronting people. <laughs> and she said, that's not what that's for. And I said, well, they started it. <laughs> <laughs> so they took me off Facebook. <laughs> I'm all alone out here. They took me off Facebook. Anyway, um, so she shows me the important things and doesn't let me respond to them. So, uh, but anyway, there was an article that that uh, it's being said that, you know, of course, there's a, an amazing move going on in China right now, move of God, amazing move of God. But it's being said right now that the, the most amazing, strongest move of God in the world going on right now is in Iran. And, uh, and it's, it's not people building churches, planting churches. It's a bunch of ladies going around door to door, place to place, and the, the ladies are shaking the nation. And I remember Reza Safa, he's, I haven't seen Reza in a few years now, but a friend of ours, he lived in Tulsa a few years back, and I remember he went on TV and, and preached in Farsi, the language, and he said the Lord showed him that there's going to be a mighty move of God in the Farsi-speaking world. And I thought, well, he stuck with it, and here we go. I'll tell you, something's, something's happening. Something's moving. Something's shaking. Hallelujah. And uh, so don't, don't look at what we've got in America right now as the, as the standard for the industry. Don't look at what we've got right now and think this is all it's going to be. Uh-uh. No. What, there, there's, an, there's another. I get all these songs. I, I don't remember what they are, but there's a song that's, I don't get them. I just, even when you don't see it, he's moving. And even when you don't feel it, he's moving. It's, is that the right, did I get the right song? I don't know if I got the right words, but it works either way. Don't go by what you see, don't go by what you hear, don't go by what you... I'm telling you, there's, God is in the middle of doing something, and our nation has not yet seen... We've not seen yet what God's going to do. We've, we've not even begun to see what God's going to do. And um, so anyway, anyway, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. Thank you so much. What an honor and a privilege to be able to come to this conference, because this sets the... It sets the standard for some things in our lives. This, this sets trends for our futures, and 
And this does some things in the spirit that um, uh, will eventually show up in the natural. And I thank you for, for what you're doing that in one conference you can, you can touch the nations of the world. In one conference, one local church with people coming in and getting involved can touch nations of the world. One conference can touch millions. And we thank you for it, dear Father. We believe that's what you're doing in here. And, uh, and so we thank you for it, and we just trust you tonight. What, do, Lord, do whatever you want to do. Holy Ghost, you, you, came, you came rushing into the world on the day of Pentecost to take charge of the church. And this is absolutely always for sure a church you can take charge of. And so we just trust you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 <laughs> and, uh, I, I, and I will say this, uh, that, um, you know, with our church, what we've done for 20 close to 20 years now, is we've worked with, on the basis, for us, we've worked on the basis of faith promises. That's how God stirred us to do things a number of years ago. And so every year we have people uh, pray, get a number from, a figure from God, and then lock their faith on that and believe God to bring that in over the next 12 months. That's just how he dealt with us to do it. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, with, with, uh, we've had some years that were bigger than others, and but for this last year, um, actually, it, was, it ended up being faith promises were down a little from what they were a year or two before. It's all right. Um, it, it still is amazing. I'll use numbers and, and not to be um, uh, braggadocious or anything else, but it's good to encourage each other. And um, we, uh, we came up to Fire for the Nations, and we were about, we were about uh, 100,000 below what our faith promise goal was with a, a month to go. I thought, well, you know, a thousand, a million, a hundred thousand doesn't make any difference. It's, it's, it's a faith project anyway. It's everybody believe in God. And um, so we just went into fire for the nations and, and, uh, and you know, and had some come in that, that week. And, and uh, we just got the total, grand total last week for what came in in the last year. And uh, we ended up, with, we were aiming for a hundred, we were aiming for at least 101%. Got to have at least 101. Well, I got the figures last week, and we went to 201%. Came in, <laughs> and uh, um, uh, we, uh, you know, you just you don't don't limit God on what God can do. Don't, you know, don't, don't put him in some kind of a box, you know. And and uh, um, I'll i just go ahead and share this because I, I just I just love what happened. We during during um, Fire for the Nations, we had. Uh, each night we'd have somebody, a, a, a missionary, an ambassador come and just take eight minutes. We'd give them eight minutes. Just, you know, you can say something in eight minutes. And uh, so they'd share just what was going on. And, and I talked to a number of, of the different ambassadors about, uh, you know, just would you be ready? Just uh, you, this, it, We need to be a little spontaneous. Would you be just ready for this? And th so they did. Well, there's one, one missionary that I just never did get to. You know, we, just, we ran out of meetings before we ran out of missionaries. <laughs> and so... So uh, the next Sunday, Fire for the Nations is over. Everything, you know, we're just, we're kind of coming on the, the, you know, the, getting everything all straightened out, the, all, the, all the accounting and everything. And I look over and here's this, um, this missionary and his wife are sitting on the front row. Thank, you know, thank God for the Holy Ghost. I look over, I see him on the front row, and uh, I just got stirred. I went over and I said, this is the 9 o'clock service, okay? This is the early one, which is normally a little quieter. And uh, so I went over and I, I, uh, I said, uh, Mike, I said, uh, never did get to you this last week, you know, for Fire for the Nations, but would you mind taking your eight minutes this morning? And he said, yeah, I'm ready if you want me to. And uh, 
Come to find out, they already had the 11 o'clock booked at another church to go minister there. They got there and they got up and, and they're, thank God for kids, woke up and their kids said, we want to we go back and say goodbye to some of our friends at World Outreach. And they talked the parents into going. Nine o'clock service, going to go to church twice in the morning. Imagine that. And so, so their kids, they decided to just, you know, uh, just humor their kids and just say, okay, we'll do it. So, and then they came in and they just got in on the front row and I just walked over and I said, just, would you, would you take your, your eight minutes? Well, he got up, took seven. And that's a miracle right there. I'm telling you, <laughs> good, good missionary. And all I can say is the Holy Ghost fell in there. And um, make a long story short, um, I don't know. I started talking about, you know, how Pastor John Osteen, you know, I was in one meeting where he took up three offerings. The third one was to send a missionary to India. And the, that was the third offering for the service we were sitting in. And I said, man, I said, Brother Osteen, you used to take up third, three offerings. I've never done more than two. And we'd already done two this morning. We'd, we'd done our regular offering and our missions offering that morning. And, and all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost fell in there. And, um, and um, I, you know, I'd got gone up to this fella, this missionary, during Fire for the Nations. And I walked up and I just said, I, I, I just, I don't get this. But I said, I, inside, I saw you on your face before God, crying out, saying, God, if we just, there's, we could do this if we just had more money. We could do this if we just had more money. I said, does that make sense? He goes, oh, yeah, it does. I said, okay, good. I thought that's as far as I'm going. And uh, had a sense that God was going to do something before he moved, went back overseas. And um, so I'm trying to keep this short because it's a long story. But anyway, um, so I, I, I finally I went back and I said, by the way, how much is it you need? He said, um, $300,000. Good. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Our God is more than enough. Hallelujah. <laughs> and uh, so I don't even know why I'm sure this ought to encourage somebody. If you're needing something that's way beyond what you think you can come across, said, well, we need $300,000. And I thought, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> God's got that um, somewhere, you know. And uh, so. So uh, anyway, so I knew this. So my wife gets up and she looks at me and she starts exhorting the church. You know, she's an exhorter and that'll come on her by the Holy Ghost. And she turns to me and she goes, can I tell him how much he, this is, he just shared for seven minutes. She said, can I tell the church how much he needs? And I said, I don't know, ask him. So she looked over and she said, can I? And he goes, oh yeah. So she said, he needs $300,000. And you know, that's just a drop in the bucket for God. Well, about just a few minutes after that, this fellow we'd never seen before gets up and walks out of the service. And we're both thinking, boy, she just offended him, but that's just the way it goes, you know. But I'd seen him a couple minutes before and he looked like he's wiping tears off his face. And I thought, well, it's not that bad, you know. Well, what actually happened was we saw him at the end of the service come back in, 9 o'clock service. You know, the lower of the two crowds, 9 o'clock service. Fellow comes in, he catches my wife after the service. He just said, uh, I need to know where to send a check. He said, uh, when you were talking, he said, we, we, live, we live in Texas. We don't live up here, but my wife does business up here. We're up here four, service, four Sundays a year. We're up here, and we always come to this church. But we've just never been able in an opportunity to meet you. And said, so we, this just happened to be the Sunday we were here. We weren't here during the Fire for the Nations. We just happened to be in here this Sunday. And, um, um, and before you ever mentioned that number, uh, God spoke me, to me to, that we need to help. And she said, okay, great, great. He goes, I want to do that. She goes, you want to do what? She says, I want to help him. She says, how much? She said, the whole thing. She said, 
the, the 300, yeah, three, he said, God spoke to me before you said 300. God spoke to me and said, go get your checkbook and give that boy $300,000. <laughs> and he said, that's why I left. He wasn't mad. He went to his car to get his checkbook. And he said, and I didn't have the right checkbook with me. And I thought, wait a minute, how many checkbooks have you got? <laughs> So, so, and so, and, and while this is all going on, the church, people are going, I'll give a thousand, and somebody goes, I'll give a thousand, and somebody goes, I'll give a thousand, and then people are going, I'll give 500, and so during that early morning service, about $64,000 came in for the third offering, so now we're up to 364000 and we never met this guy, I thought, you got that much money? You got 300000 this is a faith project, you know, you and uh, anyway, the check did come through the next week, and it did clear. And uh, <laughs> hallelujah. And then somebody else walks up a couple days later. No, next service. Guy comes up, comes up and says, uh, now this is uh, going to be anonymous. I don't want anybody to know anything about this. I said, sure, that's not a problem. What do you want to do? He said, uh, you know, and, and what this is, they're going to build, they want to start. They've got two already. They want to build five um, orphanages for young ladies to pull them out of sex trafficking and orphanages. He said, there are 11 million kids on the streets of India. And he said, we want to, he said I want to start out with, with uh, 100 uh, uh, missions homes, and then we want to go to 500, then we, end up, we want to end up with 1,000 orphanages across India in the days to come. And I'm thinking, well, if you've got that kind of faith, you'll probably get it done. Yeah. Guy comes in, gives $300,000. Another guy walks up to me, and he says, how's that money coming? I said, well, it all came in. Nobody knew about it yet. It all came in, and he said, well, how are they going to maintain these schools? They're going to start, I think, four more real quick, orphanages. How are they going to run those things? It takes money to run them. I said, I don't know. I'll ask him. And, I'll, and, and before I could do that, he said, well, I don't know what it's going to cost. He says, but here, here's a check for another $100,000. And he said, just split it up for 10 months and give, it, give him 10000 a month for 10 months just to help maintain the orphanages. I called him up and said, well, if you're done shouting here, start all over, because there's another 100000 coming in. <laughs> I thought, okay, okay. He didn't, he didn't get to share during Fire for the Nations, but that man wasn't in Fire for the Nations. And they came to service because their kids wanted to go. And he left town with $467,000. And that didn't even include the other church he went to at 11 o'clock. So I thought, you know, there's something about being in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, getting the right results. Something about just, something about just following the Holy Ghost. You know, he could have got all upset. Well, I didn't get a chance to share that fire for the nations. You better be thankful you didn't get a chance. You'd have gotten a shout and a prayer. Instead, you got a half a million dollars. So just... Anyway, 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 hallelujah. Praise God. Anyway, <laughs> let's just say I got pretty excited about that. And, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, we got, a, you know, we got a mortgage. We're paying stuff off. And I thought if somebody had come up and given us 467000 for the mortgage, uh, toward the mortgage, I'd have been pretty happy. But for, for folks to come in and give us 467000 to go directly to the mission field, it just doesn't get any better than that. It does not get any better than that. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well... Um, let's open our Bibles.
be so, so, they pick on me around here. That's all I'm going to say about that. Where did I say I'm going to go? I didn't. Acts. Acts 20th chapter. And um, I'm going to start reading verse 22. Apostle Paul speaking here, Acts chapter 20, verse 22. And uh, to uh, be like my hero, that I want to be just like him when I grow up. Um, Pastor Eddie Turner over here. I'm going to use the King James. <laughs> it says, Now behold, verse 22, Now behold, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in, every, witnesseth in every city, saying, Bonds and afflictions abide me. But I love, none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Now, if I had a favorite scripture as a minister, that would probably be it. I have uh, I've, uh, studied after the Apostle Paul for a long time, off and on for probably 40 years, because I saw a couple things, and I saw, number one, that he starts out here early and says, none of these things move me. I don't even count my life dear unto myself that I might finish my course with joy. And then you go over to 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, where Paul's writing to Timothy. He's now Paul the aged. He's in his later years. And he writes to Timothy, a young minister, and he says, I fought the good fight, I kept the faith, and I finished my course, and now I'm ready to be offered. I don't know if anybody else that ran their race and finished their course in the New Testament, probably did, but I've never found anybody so bold as the Apostle Paul that starts one day and says, I'm going to finish my course, gets to the end and says, I've already finished it. In the middle of it, they're ready to take his head off in the jail next door, and he's sitting there going, I don't know, I'm in a straight betwixt two. Whether to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, or to stay here, which is better for you. I just don't know which one I want to do. I don't, they're sharpening the axe to take his head off, and he's over here going, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, let's see, flip a coin. I don't know, you know, I've... I've been, I've been to the third heaven, you know, and I, I know what it's like over there. It's going to be better for me to go, but it's better for these folks if I stay. So I'll stay, and no matter what acts they've got, no matter what they think they want to do, he made a choice. He said, I'm in a straight betwixt two, whether to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, or to stay here, which is better for you. Well, so I, I've studied Paul because I thought if he, and, and he told others, I, I finished my course, now you finish yours. Yeah. If and the way I see this, if Paul, if Paul could, de if he could face everything he faced, go through everything, beaten, stoned, shipwrecked, shipwrecked, left for dead, beaten with rods, if he could go through everything, he wrote to the Corinthians, Second Corinthians, if he could go through everything he went through and still finish his course bef before he leaves, and then leave by choice, then surely you and I can do the same thing. He said, I got two things. I got, he said that uh, so I might finish my course with joy and and the ministry, he said, I've got two parts. I've got my life course, and I've got the ministry which I've got, and I want to do both of them. I don't want to just finish my ministry I, and, and then finish my, I want to do both. I want to finish my life with joy, and I want to finish my ministry with joy. I want to do both that. Okay. This isn't just for ministers. This is for humans. This is for, for Christians. So anyway, he says, um, so he finished his race. Now, that's been inspiring to me, because if I have people say, you know, what are your, what are your goals? I, one fellow asked me, what's your five-year goal? I said, uh, to either be in heaven or 
here. I don't know, raptured or, you know, my five-year goal, I'd love to be raptured. But he said, what's your five-year goal? And I said, I haven't got one. I said, the only goal I have, now this is, this is just for me, I said, the only goal I've got is one day I'm going to stand before Jesus, and I just have one goal, when I stand before him, I just want to hear him say, you've done good. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, my whole life is based on, I want to hear him say, I, I, he won't be impressed with how much I do, he won't be impressed with how little I do, he's just going to be pleased with if I just do what I'm supposed to do. And so, so my, my, my life for me is not based in, there's nothing wrong with one, two, five, ten, twenty, thirty year goal. Nothing wrong with goals like that. But everything I do is based around this one thing I read where Paul said, I finished my course. And I said, God, if he can finish his, I surely ought to be able to finish mine. And that ought to be a goal for every one of us. Now, now that being the case, um, you know, I heard Brother Hagin say, I, I've, I've, he, he lives in my telephone. And... I have hundreds and hundreds of hours of Brother Hagen in my phone, and every time I get in my car, I plug him in, and, 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 and he and I fellowship for hours. I, I drive around the city listening to Brother Hagen. And, uh, you know, and, and uh, he made this statement, talked about, you know, many, many, many people live and die and never even step into the first part of what they're called to do. Yes. And I, I've, read, I've listened to that so many times, I said, dear God, Dear God, please help me to never let that happen. I not, only want, I not only want to get into my first phase and second phase and third phase, but if there's a fourth, I want to take that too. I just want to do it. I want, even if the rapture comes, I want to get credit for everything I've done up till that point. So anyway, so in reading through this, I, I uh, studying after the Apostle Paul, uh, I, I looked at a couple things, and in, in, uh, we're not going to get as far as I thought we might get here tonight, but... But, um, you know, I thought, okay, so how, uh, Paul, how did you do this? How did you, the apostle, great apostle Paul, how did you, how did you finish your course? And I looked at it, and I, I, I believe there's two things. I believe it was two, two choices he made, two things he chose. Number one, number one, he chose to stay in his lane. Okay? Uh, it, there's, it's, one thing, it's one thing to stay in the game. It's another thing to stay in your lane. <laughs> okay? You can, st you can stay in the game. There's all kinds of games you can stay in. But, uh, you know, I, uh, when I was in, in uh, high school, um, I, I ran uh, track and field. And um, I wasn't one of these distance guys. That was too much work. I was a sprinter. And uh, I, don't, I don't do that anymore. But anyway, uh, but, uh, and we, we did relays. And I was on a couple different relay teams. And, and uh, you know, and, and, but, but I remember no matter what you're doing, when you're on that track, you got a lane, and you got to stay in that lane. If you get out of your lane and trip somebody, you get disqualified. And so, so you know, and, and so I, I remember back there one time I, we, uh, we were in a, a race, and actually I was junior varsity at the time, and we just took out, we challenged the varsity. And uh, we were, you know, hot rods, and we were going to challenge the varsity, and we're coming around the last turn. I was the anchor leg, and I don't know, somehow I hooked elbows with the guy from the varsity, and he kept running, and I went airborne. And uh, this was back in the old days where it was cinder tracks. And so I got up, and I, I, I'm filled with cinders, and I'm bleeding and everything. And I thought, getting out of my lane cost me blood, and it cost me skin and all that. But I look back now, and I think, you know, Paul, one of, one of, the, thing, one of the reasons he finished his race was because he, he, uh, he stayed in his lane. He, no matter what came along, and what I mean by that is he stayed in his lane. When, when he wanted to go to Asia, 16th chapter of the book of Acts, he wanted to go to Asia, Asia and the Holy Ghost forbade him. He didn't just go ahead and do it. He went back and set up camp. Okay? He wanted to go to Bithynia. The Holy Ghost forbade him. 
So he just, you know, he just takes all the stuff off the donkeys and sets up the tents and tried to go to Asia and the Holy Ghost forbid him. Tried to go to Bithynia, the Holy Ghost forbid him. Finally, he takes a nap and he has a night vision and a man from Macedonia shows up and says, come help us. And all of a sudden, because he was willing to lay things down to wait for the right thing, when he got this vision from the man from Macedonia, he packed up and knew assuredly God had called him and he became the first missionary to Europe. So therefore, he's definitely one of my heroes. But he, he, he stayed in his lane. He didn't try to do everything. He just did what he's supposed to do. It'd been real easy to say, well, God, nobody's in Asia. Nobody's in Bithynia. Let me go both of those places. You know, I'm called to Jews, Gentiles, and kings. I'm going there. I don't care what I got on the inside. I'm going to go. It's easier to get forgiveness than permission. I'm going anyway. But he didn't. He waited until he knew exactly what to do. Then he stayed in his lane. There's a guy, I remember a guy years ago that I met in another nation. And... Uh, pastoring a church in a particular place, and um, did a meeting for him. And this was, ooh, that was probably 1979. Well, a number of years later, we were in a state here in America, and I, I saw him at a meeting, and I said, what are you doing? He said, well, I moved to the States. And he said, um, I said, where are you? He told me, and he said, so what are you doing? And I told him what I'm doing. He said, that's what you were doing when I met you, you know, in 1979. I said, yeah. He said, well, how come you're not doing anything else? I said, well, God hadn't told me to do anything else. He said, yeah, but he said, you know, if you were, he said, if you were doing this, 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 and this, your ministry could be thriving. I said, I'm not looking for a thriving ministry. I'm looking for an obedient ministry. Yes. Yeah, but he said, but if you could do this, this, and this, he says, you could be doing so much more than you're doing right now. I said, yeah, but God hadn't dealt with me to do that. He said, that really doesn't make that much difference. He said, look what you could be doing if you'd stretch out and just jump out in faith and do it. And I said, I can't do that. I have to stay in my lane. Well, funny thing is, that was probably in the early 80s, and here we are a little bit later, and I'm still going, and I don't have a clue where he is. I haven't heard from him since then. I don't know where he is, but I'm pretty sure he's not in his lane. <laughs> but, you know, uh, it would have been real easy for the Apostle Paul to be moved by fads and moved by fluff and moved by numbers and moved by all this other stuff. Think about it. He could have he gotten word about the eighth chapter of the book of Acts when a... Um, a guy named Philip, the evangelist, goes to the city of Samaria and he preaches Christ and the whole city comes to hear him and, and, you know, and, and there's great joy in the city and they see the signs and the wonders and the miracles and, and uh, he could have done all that and said, God, I'm going to start doing frontier evangelism. Yeah. I'm going to do that. God, this, this is where it's all, not that that's right or wrong, but that's what Philip was called to. He's called Philip the evangelist and Paul's not called Paul the evangelist, he's called the apostle Paul. And isn't it interesting, he, instead of going and doing frontier evangelist where he's reaching whole cities, Paul goes out there and he goes to <laughs> Macedonia. And he gets over there and, and uh, he uh, gets a little old lady saved by the river, casts the devil out of a demon-possessed fortune teller, gets beaten and put into prison. Philip has the, shakes the city and Paul goes to prison. Could have been like, God, you know, can I just, is there something else I can do? But he just stayed in his lane. I believe one of the things that enables us to not only run our race and stay in the game, I believe to finish our courses to stay in our lane. You know, I mean, like with us, uh, Janet and I, you know, we, we spent almost 20 years uh, ministering throughout the continent of Europe. God spoke to us in, at Paul, uh, not in Paul Chase's, in a church in Manila where Paul is over there. God supernaturally spoke to us, showed us a picture of the continent of Europe with little fires all over it and said, let us know that was our call. 
So we did that for about 20 years, close to it, and then God sent us back to Tulsa to pioneer a church and raise up a base that would touch the na- with, with a heart for the nations of the world, a missions base, a church, local church with a heart for the nations. And then a few years ago, God spoke to us, and I thought, this is it, man. We finished Europe. We're just going to sit back here and direct traffic. We'll send people. We'll send money. And then the Holy Ghost said, get ready. You're getting ready to go again. I said, really? Lord, I thought we were done over there. He said, no, you're not even started yet. And so we start going back to Europe, and, and I'm thinking, oh, we're going to go over and start doing big meetings and all this. And God speaks to us. Says, well, I said, he said, go to, go to, uh, go to Athens. I'm going to get there in a minute. Go to Athens. I said, Lord, nobody knows us in Athens. I haven't got anywhere to preach. He said, I didn't tell you to preach. I told you to go. I said, what do you want me to do? He said, get a hotel room and pray for two and a half days. I said, Lord, you want me to spend money. God's not broke. <laughs> you want me to spend money to fly to Athens, Greece, and go get a hotel and pray for two and a half days. Yeah. And when you get done there, go to Paris. What do you want me to do in Paris? Nobody, no, there's nobody in Paris wants us to come preach. He said, I didn't tell you to go preach in Paris. I told you to go pray. Go and get a hotel room and pray for two and a half days in Paris. I said, God, you want us to go to Athens and Paris, two of the most expensive cities in the world. You want us to go get a hotel and stay there for two and a half days and do nothing but pray. That's, you just want us to pray. Yeah. You know, you come back and tell people, say, where'd you go? Europe. Where'd you go? What'd you do? Where'd you preach? Didn't preach. Where'd you hold meetings? Didn't hold meetings. What'd you do? Prayed. Can't you pray in the States? I've had people ask me, can't you pray in the States? Yeah, I pray in the States, but God said go over there. Oh, why would he tell you to go over there? I don't know. Ask him. I don't know. <laughs> but I just got word yesterday that we're, uh, we, uh, long story short, God supernaturally a couple years ago spoke to us about uh, fire bases across a certain number of nations in Europe. And I just got word the other day that the Paris base has expanded now. We've got three fire bases going in the nation of France. Uh, we got the first one. We met just the first time about a month ago, three weeks ago, in, in Rome. The first one's getting ready to, to get jump-started up there. And then we're going to go to Athens. Then we're going to go to Brussels. And then we'll see from there. But a prayer meeting turned into fire bases, which are bases that are going to pray for revival in the nations. Amen. But see, the thing is, it's not um, flashy. It's not loud. But it's my, it's my, it's my lane. And I believe one of the reasons Paul finished his course was because he knew enough to stay in his lane. Didn't trip anybody else, didn't try to do somebody else's job, stayed in his lane. But that's just all extra. That's not my message. All right, now. So, so, now, um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we'll go to verse 1. The first choice Paul made was to stay in his lane. He he wouldn't let pressure, popularity, numbers, finances, he didn't let anything push him out of his lane. Okay? That was, I believe, a decision he made. He found out what his lane was and he stayed in it. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, he writes here, and... and, uh, um, he says in verse 1, he says, And I, brethren, when I came, he's writing to the Corinthians, he said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined, he made a decision, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power, so your faith wouldn't be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, first decision he made, first choice he made, first decision was he wasn't going to let anything push him out of his lane. 
The second one is he's not going to let anything push him away from uh, the move of the Holy Ghost. We're living in a day right now, Pastor Rusty made mention of it earlier, and, and, and uh, we're living in a day when, when over the past 15 years, there's a lot of things in America that have changed. We've, we've seen more missionaries that have come back off the field and travel. We'll see them, and, and they'll make the statement. They'll say, I'm shocked at America. I'm shocked at the churches we used to go to and have a move of God. Now we go in and they tell us you got 15 to 20 minutes to preach. Don't give an altar call. Don't pray for the sick. Don't speak in tongues. Churches that used to have a move of the Holy Ghost have shut it all down. Fads come and fads go. But fads that come will always go. Fluff will come, but fluff will go away. The only thing that's going to stay is the Word and the Holy Ghost. And um, Paul made the statement. He said, I, brother, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. And if anybody could have, if anybody could have pontificated, whatever that is, it was the Apostle Paul, Pharisee of the Pharisees, educated. If anybody could have wowed him with great messages, it was the Apostle Paul. But he said, he said, when I came, I didn't come with enticing words of man's wisdom. But he said, now, first of all, starts out, and I, brethren, when I, when I came to you, came now with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything, I determined, I made a decision, not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now, the, the important thing about that is, if you back up to the 16th chapter of the book of Acts, Paul went to the city of Athens. He got dropped off there. He goes, see, the, the place stirred him. He was stirred in his spirit because it was a city given over to idolatry. And so he went out soul winning. He went out street witnessing. He went out, finally, he went and stood in Mars Hill. Mars Hill, I'm telling you, you stand at Mars Hill, it, it still moves you to this day. We stood on Mars Hill, Janet and I did a couple years ago. We went up the, lock, the walkway, got to, got to the end. You look out over the city, and be honest with you, there's some things going on, of course, some good things, but it's still a city given over to idolatry. You look out and see all these amazing temples that were there in Paul's day. They're all in ruins now. Imagine that. But he stood there, and he, he preached the message concerning the unknown God. Great message. And he finishes up, and they said, huh, this was interesting. Made fun of him, called him a few names, and said, maybe we'll come back. Few people got saved. Maybe we'll come back and hear more about this later. And then we see that's the end of the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. The 17th chapter, he goes on to, to, uh, first, to, Corinthian, to Corinth, I should say. He gets into Corinth and um, starts holding meetings, and he stays there actually quite a while. Now, later on, he writes, and he says, when I got to you, I made a decision. I'm not going to know anything save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I, was, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing, man's, uh, enticing words of man's wisdom, but demonstration of the Spirit and power. Why? So your faith won't be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. When Paul went to Athens, he preached a great message, but he didn't leave a church there. When he went to Athens, he preached a great message, and he got a few converts, and that's it. When he finished up there and he got to Corinth, he said, I learned my lesson. Apparently, it's a decision we make whether we have move of the Holy Ghost or not. It's a decision we make whether we have demonstration of the Spirit or not. Paul didn't say God didn't, he didn't demonstrate, we didn't have anything. He said, I just determined when I got to Corinth, I'm not going to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Okay. He said, I came with demonstration of the Spirit and power so your faith wouldn't be in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. Now, I want to land on that for a little while because um, I have been supernaturally stirred for about the last three or four months about spiritual gifts, demonstration of the Spirit, demonstration of power, 
um, we've got a new we got we got millennials, we've got Generation Z, we've got a couple generations that are out here that don't have the background some of us have had. They didn't come through some meetings. They didn't, they weren't around some of the old generals that some of us were around. And they're coming up here, and a lot of them don't have any honor or respect for the ones that went before them, so they're missing out on something. So they've got a lot of energy. There's a, uh, there's a, a work over in, in, uh, in Europe right now. John Angelina was telling me about it. There's a work over there, another city in Europe. Um, I know the fellow that's the pastor of it. It's a great work, great guy. And they're having, once a month they have a meeting, and they have over 10,000 young people. For Europe, that's amazing. They have over 10,000 young people. They're buying tickets, coming in, and they have a praise and worship concert, kind of. And, and, and kids, kids walk away in tears, go back home, because the place is filled up, and there's nowhere to sit, and they can't get in. But uh, I talked to John. He said, the problem is, he says, we've got all this energy, we've got all this momentum, but if we don't start putting some word and some spirit into these young people, this thing's going to fall flat and die before long. And I know a number of places around the world that's starting to happen. The momentum and the energy is there, but they're missing one thing often too, either, easy, either a little bit of word or no word, and there's, they don't know whether there be any Holy Ghost. Yeah. We're going to For those that are in the know, need to tap into the Spirit of God and begin to pray because we're coming into a day now where demonstration of the Spirit and demonstration of power will be a necessity, so this upcoming generation will have faith not just in the wisdom of men, but will have faith in the power of God. So now is the day to pray. Now is the day to be hungry and desire because the, the last day church will uh, rise up and operate in great Holy Ghost fire. Hallelujah. Now, now I'm trying to get somewhere with this. Uh, demonstrations of the Holy Ghost, showings off of the Holy Ghost, okay? Um, I'm a car guy, all right? I'm a car guy. And so anytime I get a chance to get in a car that goes fast, I'll do that. And I took one out for a test drive a while back and uh, took it for a good test drive. And the, the salesman said, threw me the key, said, here, drive it. He said, I'm not afraid of anything. Drive any way you want to drive. I said, do I have to pay the tickets? He said, well, that's your problem. And so anyway... But I'm telling you, I got in that thing, and I thought it lived up to its reputation. It was fast. It was fun. But I didn't know that much. I'd read about it, and I'd looked at it, and I sat in it. But until I got a demonstration of it, I wasn't that interested. When I got the demonstration, I said, buy me five. I want five of them. But uh, <laughs> over the next 20 years. But anyway, but um, we've got a great message. But if we don't watch it, if we, if we leave behind the Holy Ghost... Yeah. It's always, everything God's ever done is the Word and the Spirit. It's always the Word and the Spirit. It's always the Word and the Spirit. Jesus was the Word on the earth for 30 years. He never worked a miracle until he was baptized in Jordan and came up out of the water praying and the heavens opened and the Spirit of God descended in bodily form upon him. And then he goes out there in Luke, the fourth chapter, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. In other words, once the Holy Ghost came on him, when the Word and the Spirit came together, Jesus, the Word, never worked a miracle until the Holy Ghost came on it. Everything God does, it's the Word and the Spirit. So, so um, we, um, we're in a time, I was thinking back through, you know, uh, just looking back over the last hundred years. We, we had, a, we had a, a generation that was in the Azusa revival, Pentecostal outpouring, and uh, man, God demonstrated he demonstrated on, with, with, with Brother Seymour there on Azusa in, in Los Angeles. You know, my goodness, you read about that. The kids, 
The, the miracles the kids were around. They said the glory of God was so thick in that place, like a cloud, the kids brought glass jars with them to chase it under the chairs and try to get some in a jar and take some home. How would you like to have services where the glory showed up so much that you had the kids bringing glass jars trying to fill them up and take some home? I've been in some meetings that were that thick, but you know maybe one every 10 years. These kids were in there just night after night. The glory would come in like a cloud. And they said when that glory came in, there'd be people in the back in wheelchairs. And the kids knew when the glory came in, anything was possible. The kids would run back, grab people by the hands, and pull them out of the wheelchairs and run them around the room. Amazing miracles took place in there. Said demonstrations of the Holy Ghost. Said the fire would go, uh, they'd get to worship in God, the fire would go up out of the building. They'd see it outside. Fire tr trucks would show up. Fire would go up out of the building, and then fire would come down from heaven. And when it met in the middle, the building would be on fire. Fire trucks had come from everywhere. When they got there, the fire would go away because it was inside the building. It was Holy Ghost fire. Now we hear about that, you know. And, and we've, got, we've got friends that are uh, missionaries in, in uh, Bucharest, Romania. I think two summers ago, they had their two-week summer camp meeting. We got word that they're they're having service one night, and all their, their their compound is out in the middle of a field. And they said fire trucks came down the road, just racing down the road, lights going, and everything. All the neighbors had called and said the whole campus was on fire. And they got there, and it was the Holy Ghost. Yeah. This was just in the last couple of years. Yeah. Demonstrations of the Holy Ghost. Yes, that amazing things happened. In the Azusa revival, the healings, I know they all got filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, but there were demonstrations of the Holy Ghost that took place through that whole move, all the way through that. Healings and miracles and signs and wonders had all kinds of demonstrations of the Spirit of God. Well, then you get a little further, you come up into, into um, um, uh, the healing revival. Healing revival. I was... Uh, there's, there's a fellow that I've met. Actually, I haven't met him face-to-face -face yet. I've been on the phone with him a number of times. Long story. But um, his dad was one of the pioneers in the, in the healing revival. He, he, was, he did, did uh, uh, tent meetings. And uh, this fellow was telling me, he said, uh, he said, I was a young boy. He said, he said uh, if I got it, his name's Buford. And um, he said, I was a young boy. And he said, my dad was working for, I think he said it was uh, um, Jack Cole working for Jack Cole. And he said, did all kinds of meetings with him. He said, we, he had a school. I was in the school. I was like 13 years old, something like that. And he said, uh, he said uh, I got a call. One day they came in to get me. He said, I, I tried to take piano lessons. He said, they got me a teacher. I tried to take piano lessons. After two lessons, they, the piano teacher said, go home. Don't waste your money. You'll never play anything but the radio. You don't have any gift. You don't have any talent. You don't have any ability. You'll never play anything. Don't waste your money. So he said, I gave up. But he said, one day, I, somebody came in and said, uh, 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 the boss wants to see you. I, must have been Jack Cole. Wants to see you. He goes in there. And he said, he's a big man. And he said, he, I sat down and said, he looked at me and he said, my keyboard player is coming with me on the road. I need somebody to play the keyboards here in, in, in my, my location, my home location. And he said, uh, that's not me. I don't know how to play anything. He said, you don't. He said, no. He said, he got up from his desk, walked around, grabbed my little hands, he said, Jesus, give this boy a gift. And he said, I went home, told my parents, I want to play the piano. I want to play the keyboard. They said, we've already tried that. He said, I want to try it again. He said, they got me a cheap little keyboard, and I started playing. And he said, uh, uh, but he said, but I thought, how in the world am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? He said, it wasn't long before I went to one of Jack Coe's meetings. And he said, he was preaching. He walked over. There was, a, there was a lady in the front row with a massive goiter on the side of her neck. 
And he said, I watched Jack Cole walk up there. I believe that was Jack Cole. He said, I watched him walk over there. So he didn't just lay hands on this thing. He walked over, grabbed that goiter, grabbed the lady, and yanked that thing off of her neck. <laughs> Had that thing in his hand and said, looked up. And just as he did that, all brand new skin formed where that thing was. That she had all like baby skin all the way where that gourd was. And he had that thing in his hand. Ripped that thing right off of her. You've got to be bold to do that. <laughs> and he said, I watched that. Little 13, 14 year old boy, whatever he was. He said, I watched that thing. He said, I watched him grab that goiter and just yank it off of her neck. Okay. And he said, then there's another fellow, there's a man over here. He said, all hunched over like that woman in Luke, the 13th chapter, bowed over together, could in no wise lift up herself. He said, he, he said, he grabbed that guy off the front row and he said, grabbed him by the shoulders, stuck his knee in the guy's back and yanked it like that. And he said, you could hear him yell all over the tent. He said, that guy screamed and yelled. He said, he grabbed that guy, had been bowed over for years, put his knee in his back, grabbed his shoulders, and just yanked. Like, just, I just yanked it? Oh. Anyway, he said, first he yelled, and all of a sudden he realized he's standing up straight and took off running. Said, instantly, instantly healed by the power of God. He said, as a little boy, he said, a demonstration. As a demonstration. He said, as a little boy, I sat there and thought, if God could rip that thing off that lady's neck, if God could straighten that man's back out, then God could teach a little 13-year-old boy to play the keyboard. Demonstration. All of a sudden, he could put his faith in God instead of the wisdom of men. Got a keyboard. He said, within 30 days, I was playing in the auditorium. Within a few months, I was playing Madison Square Gardens for him. And he ended up playing keyboard for almost every leading minister. Played for Catherine Kuhlman. Played for Oral Roberts. Played, for, played keyboard for everybody across the country. He's, but he said it was demonstration of the Spirit. See, then you go a little further. You get in the charismatic move. I'm going to quit here in a few minutes. You get in the charismatic move. I got saved in the charismatic move, running from God just as fast as I could run. I was afraid if I served God, he's going to make me be a missionary. <laughs> so, so I'm just running from God, and um, I'm telling you, I, there was a time, and God began demonstrating things for me while I was running. There was a time, there was a time I was within mm, seconds of making a decision that probably was going to cost me my life. It was just that close. And all of a sudden, I heard this voice. It wasn't Jesus. I heard a voice. said, if you do that, where are you going to go? Man, I'm telling you, scared the daylights out of me. Because I thought, if I do that, I'm going to split hell wide open. I know that. And, and so all of a sudden, I mean, God did one thing. And that was 1973. And from that day on out, I've got this amazing confidence in the power of angels. There are angels out doing a lot of things for me right now. I haven't got time to get into that. But there's some angels, angels doing some amazing ongoing miracles for us right now. Amen. Already doing it. I could tell you it amazed you. But now, um, and so, so then, um, you know, so then I, I, I go to a meeting and I give my life to Jesus. And, and, and I'm with some campus groups and, and they, they don't know whether there be any Holy Ghost. And they're trying to tell me there is no Holy Ghost. And I'm, so, I'm getting really hungry. And all of a sudden, God starts sending me places where he can demonstrate for me. I ended up in a meeting in University of Michigan campus, Word of God community. There's probably three or 4,000 Catholics in 1973 or 74 uh, in this place, meeting every Thursday night. And I went over, a bunch of people said, don't go over there, that's not God. It's not, in, it's not our people, so it can't be God. Well, you don't tell a brand new Christian not to go somewhere. I drove over there, went into that meeting, and I walked into that place, and I, I, I looked around, and here's, I'd say, three, four, maybe 5,000 priests, nuns, Catholics, non-Catholics, 
on their feet, worshiping God, priests and nuns in their outfits, in their garb, dancing in the aisles, people, all of a sudden, like a wave hit that place, and the whole place starts singing in other tongues. And I said, and and all of a sudden, people are saying there's no such thing as this Holy Ghost baptism. And I thought, you just lost me because God did a demonstration. I mean, I've never, I've, I don't know if I've ever felt the presence of God like that since then. And then, and then I'm hearing some other things about the power of God. I heard about a, a couple named Charles and Francis Hunter. And they were going to be doing a meeting about 40 miles away. I drove there, this little campground out there. I'm going to, I'm going to get around them because I hear when they lay hands on people, they fall down. I thought, I've fallen down a lot in my life, but not <laughs> by the Holy Ghost. I, went, I drove 40 miles through the backwoods to get to this place, to get to a place where all of a sudden you can see the power of God in such demonstration. And demonstrate, when got me, God got me in the Word of God community to see what He did there. God got me around the hunters to see the power of God there. Then he got me around the full gospel businessmen. And I'll tell you, I thought they're full gospel, so they always have miracles. So I went to one of their tent meetings in Detroit, Michigan. And I saw a fellow up there. He, uh, he pulls this little guy up off the front row, braces on both legs. Guy, little guy, maybe seven, eight years old, never taken a step, normal step in his life. He said, Mama, bring that boy up here. And he says, now take those braces off of his legs. I'm out there in the crowd out there. I'm watching this, and all of a sudden, and, and, and I don't know if this healing stuff is for today or not, okay? And all of a sudden, I saw Mama take those braces off that little boy's legs, and I saw this preacher say, now, in the name of Jesus, walk. And I'm telling you, all of a sudden, that boy took a step, and he took another step, and he took another step. Next thing you know, he's running back and forth across the platform. I saw this little guy go from never taking a step in his life to run and run and back and forth, back and forth. I thought, uh-uh, you can, you can tell me anything you want, but you can't tell me healing's not for today. So I'm watching, and God's doing all this from everything from angels to speaking in tongues to God did these things. I could study and study and study, but God got me in these things by demonstrations, <laughs> by demonstration. And then I got to go to work for Brother Hagen, and he'd do meetings in Tulsa, and there'd be seven, 8,000 people in the auditorium. He'd just look up and wave his hand like that, and 2,000 people would go down like dominoes back there. I saw things in the charismatic move. I wasn't in the Pentecostal. I wasn't in the healing revival. I was born in the middle of that one. But I tell you what, God did some things by demonstration. We could go on and on and on. We were just in Paris just uh, two and a half weeks ago. I'll finish here. We were, just, um, we were in Paris just a few weeks ago. Paris has one half of 1% of the population saved. One half, 0.5% saved. You know, people say, oh, yeah, you're a mission field. Yeah, you got to try it sometime. One half of 1%. It's the dark continent right now. One half of 1%. Well, we went over there. We got invited to go do a healing and miracle evening. We went over there. And, um, and you know, of course, everything was all structured and organized and all that. But you just, we just jumped in, went with the flow, did all we could. And, uh, and, uh, and all of a sudden, now we're going to lay hands on people. And uh, this young lady came up. Came up to the front, probably mid-20s, maybe something like that. Saw this big, big uh, scar across her neck. Can't speak French. Don't have an interpreter with me. Don't know what's going on. Just said, well, whatever's going on, we just laid hands on her and said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. All of a sudden, we look, and she's just weeping, tears going down her face. Found out later, somebody found her and said, God's in the healing business. Drove her two hours to get to the meeting across the city of Paris. Got her two hours to get in the meeting. She'd had an accident, car accident, a few years ago. And she was in such bad shape, they had to go in through the front of her neck and replace two discs in her neck. They didn't just, they didn't just, what do you do, fuse them or whatever, they replaced them. 
I don't know what they replaced him with. But since then, we found out later, she's lived in pain every day and every night since that surgery. No hope of ever getting any better. And what happened, she said, the minute you laid hands on me, she said, I heard this pop in the back of my neck. All the pain left. She's moving her neck around. I don't know if God healed him, fixed him, replaced him, repaired him. I don't care. But I thought, isn't it amazing? Here's a young lady doesn't even know who Jesus is. Somebody brings her to a meeting and demonstrates that he's a good God telling you we are on the edge of something we've never been in before. We're coming into an age of demonstration beyond what Paul ever saw, beyond what the healing revival saw, the charismatic move saw, the uh, Pentecostal outpouring. We're coming into demonstrations. We need to stand to our feet right now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Oh, thank you, Father. Now, now, we're not, we're not going to stretch this out, but we're not going to get in a rush because there's some things the Holy Ghost wants to do. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, dear Lord. Oh, we thank you. Let's just lift our hands and thank Him. Paul said, I determine, I determine not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He determined not to just have a normal... Um, uh, acceptable 40-minute ministry, he determined to have the move of the Holy Ghost, demonstrations of the Spirit and power. Lord, we want that. We long for that. We desire that. All of us in our lives, in our homes, in our families, in our ministries, in our churches, Lord, we desire demonstrations of the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, we invite you. Demonst dem demonstrate. Demonstrate. Show off. Show off the power of Almighty God. Thank you, dear Father. Glory to God. <laughs> Glory to God. Thank you, dear Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Well, let's thank Him. Let's just thank Him. Let's thank Him for that. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Now, there's somebody here. You've been waking up, not every night, but you've been waking up in the middle of the night. You wake up just gripped with fear. You wake up gripped with fear, and now it's getting to where you're almost afraid to go to sleep. You're dreading nighttime because you're almost afraid to go to sleep because you've been, I don't know if it's nightmares or if you just wake up just with this fear gripping you, but you've been waking up at night just, just gripped in fear, and now it's getting to where you're almost, you have a fear of even going to sleep at night because you know what's coming in the night at times. You, you're having a, you're having a, you, you almost dread the night coming. Who is that? Wave your hand at me. Is that you? Come down here for a minute. Does that describe it? Been having that show up? Just, just wake up at night, just in fear? And now you're afraid to go to sleep at night. You dread the night coming. Is that right? That's going to change now. All right? All right? Now, what I want you to do is I want you, I don't know how to tell you to do this, but I want you to get, somehow, get hold of the sessions from this morning. Uh, Pastor Eddie Turner, when he ministered on, on thoughts. Uh, how do you do that? Just download that? Off the internet, can you do that? Okay, it's from this morning, Pastor Eddie Turner. You need, I would recommend you listen to that every day for at least a week. Change your life. 
I'm gonna get, I can get that off you, but you're going to have to keep that off of you. All right? You, you believe that? Will you do that? All right. Now, okay. All right. Pastor Ed, come, come over here. No, but I know, but I want you to, I want you to come join with me on this. Hallelujah. Now, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. There you go. There you go. Mm. Come on, brother. Yeah. You come on, brother. Yeah. Spirit of fear. Yeah. Come on, yeah. In Jesus name. Yeah. 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 Yes. There you go. There you go. There you go. You come on. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. No more. Hallelujah. Lift one hand up and say, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm staying free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. Now say it like you mean it. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. Hallelujah. Well, we ought to rejoice with her. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, somebody else, you, you, uh, you're having issues with blood pressure, and it's just gone squirrely, was the term I would use. It has been up and down and up and down and up and down, and you've been chasing it with meds. And, and it goes up and then it goes down, then it goes up and then it goes down. And, and you've been dealing with it on medically. Now, I don't, know, I don't know anything about medicine, so I don't know what the problem is. But there's been a, a blood pressure issue, and it goes it goes um, drastically high, and then and then it'll go low, and you just end up just chasing those numbers, chasing those numbers, chasing those numbers, and then what happens is it starts scaring you, because they get so high that they'll tell you this is what could happen when it gets that. Anyway, who is that? You've been you've been chasing the numbers. Is that you? Come down here for a minute. And now. Does that sound like it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh huh. So you're on. You've been on some meds, and they keep changing them on you, or they do. The dosages. The dosages. Yeah. Yeah. Go up and down, up and down. It gets up. Oh, what they would call dangerously high. Mm-hmm. And then it goes back down. And but they don't know what to do about it. No. Ha 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 ha. We do. Ah. Oh my. Hmm. Uh, who is that? There's a, I, I, it's right over here. You have been having uh, some excruciating pains. I think it's the gallbladder. And you've been having some excruciating pains right down there on that, right <coughs> wherever that is. Where's the gallbladder? Oh, it's up there? Oh, that's close. <laughs> is this the liver? That's the liver. That's the heart. These are the lungs. All I know is like, there is a, this is the brain. Okay. <laughs> anyway, somebody has been having trouble with the gallbladder. I couldn't tell you. Is that you? Is that what you're up here for? Blood pressure and gallbladder. You're getting a double dose. All right. Is that okay? Just, woo, raise your hands up. There, wow. There it is right there. There it is right there. <laughs> in the, whoa, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you, dear Father. Yeah, okay. In the name. Oh, yeah. Okay. 
Okay, okay. Hallelujah. Praise God. Put your hand right where the pain, most of the pain's been. So it's right down there. Pain's right, been right there. Is it very often? Yeah, at least several times a week. At least several times a week. That's several times a week too many. Hold your other hand up. Jesus. Oh, there you go. I command that to cease and desist. I command the healing virtue of the Lord Jesus to flow through your being. Mm. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, now, and I want Pastor Eddie to stay up here with me because I want you to minister to somebody here. There's somebody else. You, uh, uh, the, only, the only way I can describe it is you have had uh, like a dark cloud chasing you for years. The only way I can describe it, it's like I close my eyes, I can see you running, and you keep looking back at, so to speak, like there's this dark cloud just been chasing you, and it's in your mind, and you have suffered with mental anguish, and this thing, it just, it'll, it'll, it'll start to get a little better, and then all of a sudden, it'll just sneak up behind you, and then you get a little better, and then it'll sneak up behind you, but, but it's, you, have had an, you have had years of anguish in your mind, and... Um, it's been, the only way I can describe it, it's been chasing you for years. Okay, it's been chasing you. You haven't been under the deep, dark depression for years, but this thing's been chasing you for years. Maybe you're on meds, don't know, don't care, doesn't make any difference. Hallelujah. Is that you, ma'am? Is that you? Is that what it, does that describe it? Uh, I, I was, uh, they told me had three diagnoses of illness. Yeah. Yeah. Go on now. Okay, well, it's time to go on then. I've been imper paranoid in my house right mm. now. And that's yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you were here this morning. You were here, so you heard what was ministered. And and did you have a way to download that and get to where you could listen to that? Mm -hmm. Okay, I want you to listen to that every day okay. for 10 days. Okay. Go listen, go back and listen to that. Go listen to that message every day for 10 days. Will you do that? Well, I, I don't have a computer or anything. Somebody help. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yes. Come off of her spirit by her side. You come off of her in Jesus' name. She don't have to live this way. She doesn't have to live this way. We take authority over you. It doesn't belong to her. She doesn't own it. It's not hers. We get her free in Jesus' name. Come off of her. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Same thing with you? Yeah, so literally this morning I felt like he was talking to me, like God was. Yeah, yeah. I just got off all my medication Good, yeah. because I just wanted to live on faith. I've had pastor pray with me and it's actually gone. I just want to keep it. Yeah, oh, you will. You will. You can. It's your choice. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come off of her in the name of Jesus. She's too young to be tormented in this. She's got too much to live to be paralyzed by this. Yeah. You come off of her. Spirit of anxiety. Spirit of worry. Yeah. Spirit of dark, dark demon. Come off of her. Hovering around her, behind her, beside her, you have no right over her. In Jesus' name, we 
we take authority over you. Your mind is free. Whatever you've allowed, open the door to allow it over you, to stay around you. We repent and we release the anointing of God upon you to be free. Hallelujah. Well, the Bible says rejoice with those that rejoice. <clears throat> we ought to rejoice with them. Just hallelujah. Then just hallelujah. Hallelujah. She's staying free. She's staying free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, one more thing I'd like us to do is, you know, I know sometimes, you know, some folks have to leave. What is today? Tuesday. But sometimes folks have to leave by Wednesday. Uh, I, I'd like all the missionaries to come up here. Um, just I want to if you got a if you got a hunger for more demonstration of the Holy Ghost in your land in your place in your ministry we want to we want to we want to put ourselves into agreement with you lay hands on you believe God to deposit something all the missionaries if you so desire and, and one more thing and I'm not I'm not even going to call somebody up I'm just going to tell you this <clears throat> somebody here you you have um, I'm going to get this right. You have always had a, a hunger in your heart to do something for God. I think most Christians to some degree have that. But you've always had a stirring that God had something for you. Now this could apply to, this could apply to probably to a lot of people in the room, okay? But there's somebody here, this will pertain specifically to you. <clears throat> you've, had a, you've had something in your heart, you've, you've had probably a good part of your life um, that you've had something in your heart about that, that um, you, God had something for you to do. You've got something that you, you, need, you need to obey God. You, there's something, something you're going to do. I don't know ministry-wise. I don't know, but there's something you... I remember, I remember uh, as a second grader, there was Assembly of God teacher in the second grade, other class. <clears throat> she and her husband pastored Assembly of God Church. And uh, I can remember on the playground, I can remember walking past her, and I remember she, she had this finger that was about this long. She pointed that at me. She said, young man, God has something for you. Second grade, on the playground, just minding my own business. But when she said that, I, I, I just looked at it and I thought, I know that. I don't know what that means. In our church, we went to, God didn't have anything for anybody that we knew of. Didn't know anything about that. But I remember when she said, young man, God has something for you. Sometimes, you know, I knew that. I knew it all the time growing up. I knew it when I was away from God. I knew it. That's why I ran from God. But there's somebody that you could say, that's me. I've kind of always known God had something for me. But, but I've made some mistakes. And now you're beating yourself up for making mistakes. And you feel like now you're never going to be able to totally fulfill that. You're going to have to live in second best. Okay? I don't know who you are. don't need to know who you are. That's between you and God. I'm just telling you there's somebody that you have dealt with this. You made some mistakes, and, <clears throat> and you know God loves you, but you think you've disqualified yourself and that you are going to have to live 
Is that you? Is that you? Well, I wasn't even going to have you come up. You beat me to it. And uh, you've just felt like my mistakes have cost me and I'll never be able to live into the place God has for me. I'm always going to have to live in second best. As far as working, what, what God has for me, I have disqualified myself. Well, I'm telling you right now, whoever you are, you didn't disqualify yourself. You might have made mistakes, but join the rest of the body of Christ. We're all floating in the same boat. But that's happened to you? Yeah? Made some mistakes? Got away? Made some mistakes? And you feel like now you, now God, you won't be able to, to live out what he's got for you? It was prophesied in my life about three times. Men of, men of God came to my life and said that I will be someone great in, in, the, in the history of God, you know, in, in God's history. And, and yeah, well, don't let that bother you. Just stick with what you got in here. Don't be concerned about what somebody said to you like that. Just go with what you got in your gut. If, if you feel like God's got something for you to do, just be bold about the fact I'll be able to do it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, he was one, but there's also somebody else. Don't even have to come up. I'm just telling you there's somebody else. And, and you've, you've, that has been dogging your trail for a little while, and you just feel like, well, I'm just not going to be able to. I'm just, I'm just, I'm going to have to settle for second best in the kingdom. You're not, you're not, you're not. When you're in the will of God, you're in the will of God. You're not going to settle for second best. God is not aggravated at you. If God had to, if you had to settle for second best because you made mistakes, then everybody in this room is going to be for second best, third best, fourth best. We've all made our mistakes. Hallelujah. So I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Rusty if you'd kind of join. And we're going to, we're going to. Yeah. yeah, hallelujah. Father, thank you. Thank you for these ambassadors to the nations. <clears throat> Lord, there's a stirring. There's a stirring. I know they've already got healings. I know they've already got wonders. I know they've already got, I know some of them. I know they've already got, they've already got stuff going on that makes half the kingdom of God jealous. But they haven't experienced anything yet compared to what it's going to be. Unusual demonstrations, unusual operations, unusual manifestations, unusual operations of the Holy Ghost, unusual things, things that will cause a whole field full of people to suddenly stop and stare. Something, 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 something. Not only what, not only what's been seen in the past, but oh, he's saving the best for last. In the Mohopasinista. Oh, Pakashine. Ishkaparadesteke. Yes. Demonstrations. 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 I know, I know a fellow used to be in Europe. American guy. Used to be in Europe. And uh, I was talking to him. He'd been there for a long time. Haven't seen him in 20 years now. <clears throat> but he'd, he'd been there for a long time. And he and his wife were living in a particular city. He's a street preacher. And I was talking to him one day and I said, uh, I said, you know, I said, I've always heard this. I've always heard this uh, story about about a bunch of people in a in a city in Scandinavia that went outside and saw the gospel written across the sky like a, like, a, you know, like a airplane or something. And I said, I've always heard that story. The, the, the people went outside and the gospel was written across the sky for a whole whole city or village to, to come out and see. And I said, did you ever hear that? And he said, oh, that happened. I said, how do you know it happened? He said, I was there. I saw the thing. He said, we went outside and the gospel was written across the sky. I think you'd call that signs and wonders. I think you'd call that demonstrations. Well, I don't know if it's going to happen real often because we're supposed to do the preaching, but at the same time, 
at the same time, demonstrations of the Holy Ghost. Demonstrations of the Holy Ghost. Demonstrations of the Holy Ghost. Ha! Hallelujah. Some of you maybe heard about, uh, about this fellow from uh, uh, Oklahoma. He went in. Actually, I heard about it from a number of people, and we were around Dr. T.L. Osborne a number of years ago, and I said, Brother Osborne, I want to ask you something, because I heard your family member had something to do with it. He said, yeah, I know what it is, and the answer is yes. And I said, well, yeah, I didn't ask you yet. He said, you don't have to. I know what it is. He said, let me tell you what happened. He said, my sister, he said, my wife's name was Daisy. My sister's name was Daisy. My sister did evangelism just like I do. And he said, she was doing a meeting. I think, I don't remember for sure, but I think he said in Oklahoma. And he, she, he said, she's laying hands on people for healing. And said, this fellow stood there and she said, what's wrong? He said, well, I'm blind in one eye. And she said, she, she laid hands on him and said, in the name of Jesus, I command sight to come in your eye. I said, uh, he looked up, he said, ah, I can see, I can see. She said, well, praise the Lord. That's the way it's supposed to work. She got ready to go on and lay hands on the rest of the people. She said, no, you don't understand. He said, you don't understand. I can see. He said, yeah, no, she said, I, I got that. You can see, praise the Lord. That's what we prayed for. He said, no, you don't understand. I got a glass eye. <laughs> What's the name? Ronald Coyne. He's from somewhere in Oklahoma. I, is he still around? He passed away several years ago. So, so I'm thinking, I've heard about this, but you know, you hear all kinds of things. I wanted to check it out. So I said to Brother Osborne, I said, that happened. He said, oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This is my sister. And said, uh, said he, he, they put his, he put his hand over his real eyeball and he'd look through that glass eye and he'd see it just as well as anybody. <laughs> And so he'd go to full gospel businessmen's meetings. We're talking about demonstrations of the Holy Ghost. He wasn't a preacher, a teacher. He'd give his testimony from what I've heard and said he'd go there and they'd bring people up uh, and, and he'd, he'd, they'd put a big patch over his real eyeball and he'd, they'd bring, people would bring their, their driver's license. And he'd say, okay, and he'd just read the driver's license. I said that in the meeting and there was a lady, young lady that worked for us. We st she's still very close to us now. She used to work for us, and she was in the meeting where I said that, and she said, I, I did that. I said, what do you mean you did that? She said, I took, the, I took my driver's license up. And she said, he had no way of knowing me. That could not be a fake. He had no way of knowing me. I took my driver's license up, and he read my driver's license, my number, my name, and everything. Read it with a glass eye. A fa a fa well, you know, of course, then you got all your do-gooders. And all of a sudden, the religious community decided that the uh, medical community had come up with a new kind of eyeball that could pass on information to the brain, and you could had new eyeballs you could see through. And this is now now they're going to discredit his testimony because he's got this new medical device that you can it'll enable you to see. So he went to, <laughs> went to his next meeting and said, "Well, it's been said." that I can see because I got this glass eye from the medical community. So let's just see if we can check that out. So he took the eyeball out, <laughs> laid it on the table, and covered up his real eyeball and, and read with no eyeball in there at all. He said, <laughs> said, I guess that disproves that theory. <laughs> God's in the demonstration business. Hallelujah. I know of a man was in an accident, had his vocal cords cut. They said he'd never be able to even talk right. He ended up with a gorgeous singing voice. And it, it, medically impossible. 
Brother Hagen used Brother Hagen used to tell about a fellow that uh, uh, was in an, an accident in, in an oil rig, and uh, broke all. It was a long story. Broke all of his bones. Jesus appeared to him in a vision uh, while he was in a coma, and actually died. Went to heaven, and Jesus said, "You can't stay." Brother Hagen won't let you. He had to go back. He went back, and anyway, I'm thinking this is the guy when they X-rayed him. They said, "Well, you're going to have to have uh, you're going to have to have." Um, uh, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? You're going to have to have checks from the government the rest of your life. Uh, or disability, thank you. Those big words. You're going to have to have disability checks the rest of your life. said, why? Because he says, they said medical science says because you don't have an elbow. He said, what do you mean? said, we got all the x-rays. Your elbow doesn't exist. It's just nothing but shredded bones. There's no joint. There's no elbow. There's nothing. Your elbow can't work. He said, well, I know it can't, but it does. <laughs> They said, we don't care what it does or what it doesn't do. It cannot work. We have the x-rays to prove it. He said, I don't want the disability. My elbow works just fine. It works just fine. They said, it can't work fine. There's no elbow in there. It can't work fine. He said, but it does work fine. Spent the rest of his life having, getting disability checks with an elbow for an elbow. that He said, they just wouldn't, they wouldn't stop. He wouldn't let me give him back. He spent the rest of his life with a continual miracle going with no elbow working, but it worked just as good as everybody else. There's just all kinds of things. We're about to step into some bigger, bigger, bigger stuff. We're about to step into some bigger things. Hallelujah. But at these days, it's not going to have to be in tents. It's not going to have to be in hotel meetings rooms. These days, it's going to be in the local church. God's going to move in the local church. Not that he won't go those other places, but he's going to move in the local church. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Folks are going to be able to go come to my church. We'll get you a miracle. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, and cast out devils. We're going to see the full orb ministry of Jesus coming back into the kingdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, take some more. Ah. Ah, oh, like fire, uh, like fire. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, my, my, yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, my, my, yeah. Uh-huh, land of miracles, land of miracles, land of miracles, land of miracles, land of miracles. Oh, my, God, he's the guy. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Hey, come on to seek at least a God. Yeah, you come on Sunday stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, shoo. You know, you know, I love God has supernaturally taken us back, for my wife and myself, taken us back to, to Europe. And I just love it. Huh, watch her. Fire. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Woo! And they'll see the fire fall and they'll watch it fall. Ha panista. Ooh, it's gabande. Oh. They'll even start bringing the dead into your meetings. Hallelujah. Maybe they already are. Are they already doing that, Christopher? Are they bringing the dead in? Good. Hallelujah. Ah, uh, where was I? Oh, 
I love the fact God's sending us back there because, you know, the, the nations we're going to are predominantly, um, uh, no, don't get mad at me if you're from there, but, but um, uh, Greece is still pretty much a, almost a godless land, predominantly. Now, there, there are some good churches, don't misunderstand me, but as a nation, it's not like, it's not like some of the others, but, you, you know, France and, and, and Spain and, and uh, Italy, these, these, are, these are like 90-some percent Catholic, you know? And one thing about Catholics, I don't know what they do know, what they don't know, but one thing I know is they'll, they'll, they'll travel halfway around the world to go watch a statue cry. If somebody gets in a pond and gets out with a wart gone, that pond is going to have a name and people are going to come from all over the world out of Catholic churches to get into that pond. And they're going to, it's, it's a, it is a culture of people that crave the supernatural so much that they'll take anything, but all it takes is a, just a puff of wind of the real thing. And God could sweep through the ten toes over there. God could sweep through the nations of the last days. God could sweep through these, these nations of extreme Catholicism and just give them the real thing. And I'm telling you, those folks are already 98% of the way there. All they got to do is receive Jesus and get the real thing. We've been, we, have been, we have been in prayer. We have been seeing whole groups of closet, charismatic, Catholic priests. I've seen these guys with funny robes and funny hats. I don't know anything about Catholicism. But I've, in prayer, I've seen people, these funny looking hats and these robes, crying out to God in Italian, saying, God, send us somebody that can tell us their Bible. Tell us, send us somebody that can tell us what this all is. I'm going, Jesus, tell them we're on our way. Hallelujah. Something. Something. Pakistanisti. Oh. 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 Yeah, you can want to see Kalista and you can so broken. It's Kawaii Provoscating. Oh, yeah. Well, what you'll see and what you'll do and where you'll go will even amaze you. Oh, my. Oh. It is so going to be worth it. <laughs> if you could only see, if you could only see, if you could only see, mm, if you could just get that veil lifted just for a moment, if you could only see, it's not far away. No. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh. Ha. Oh. Ah.
Well, we ought to give God thanks. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll just repeat what I just said to somebody up here. I don't know. If we could only see. If we could only see. Well, if we could see it all, we wouldn't walk by faith. But if we could only see what's just over, just through the veil, it's not far away. People are, people are walking away. I got those statistics the other day from a friend of mine. 1,500 churches a month closing down in America. 1,500 a, church, a month closing down. Ministers quitting. Ministers giving up. Ministers throwing the towel in. Ministers giving up. Every, just out of thoughts. Just out of thoughts. Chew. Which, the message you got. There's a book coming out on that, isn't there? You got a book in the works? Hallelujah. There's a book coming out. Needs to be out. Meanwhile, anything on, anything on, no, I was going to say tape, but it dates me. <laughs> Cassette tape. But this is the message the body of Christ got to have, got to have. People are giving up, quitting, uh, living, living on meds, living on discouragement and all that. And I'll tell you, it's just, if we could just get a glimpse on the other side of the veil. Wow. Wow. Somebody, and I think this is it, somebody, um, you, you, you have had early stages of, of rheumatoid, arth rheumatoid arthritis. You've had some early stages of rheumatoid arthritis. So I'm guessing it's been diagnosed. And, uh, it's, and, the, and you've been told what it probably will do, what they, the prognosis is. I'm just telling you right now, that's not what's going to happen. Whoever you are, whoever you are, you just watch. Every time, every time, every morning, you get up, say, oh, it's so good to be free. When you go to bed at night, it's good to be free. No, our, our rheumatoid arthritis is not going to be, it's not part of your future. It's not part of your future. Going, 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 gone. That thing is cursed and dead from the very roots. It's not going to dictate your life. It's not going to dominate your future. It's going to all go away. You're going to live your life free. Mm, Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I, I'm done. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Let's lift our hands and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you. Oh, how we glorify your name. Oh, we worship you, Father. We worship you, Lord God. We glorify your name, Father. We worship you, Lord. We worship you. We glorify you, Father. We magnify you. Come on, church, just worship the Lord for a moment. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we glorify your name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name. We exalt you, Lord. We worship you, Father. We glorify you, Lord. We glorify you, Lord. We glorify you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, for the work of the Spirit, for the demonstration of power, Lord God for the captive being set free, for the sick being healed, the oppressed being delivered, Lord God. We worship and we thank you, Heavenly Father. We glorify your name. We glorify your name. Hallelujah. Well, it's just kind of like, I don't know how to describe it. I've seen it happen before. But it's like a, kind of like a flow of a river and then kind of like a dam being put up and a lot of stuff starting to pile up against it. And the Lord says, it's not for just right now, but praise God, it's for tomorrow. So we're going to come back and see what the Spirit of God has to say. 
I know a couple of things by the Spirit that the Lord wants to do for some ministries. There's been some oppression on some ministries that God's going to break that. Some things are going to take place. But it's just like we came up to a point tonight. The Lord said, now just, yeah, that's it. And then we'll we'll pick it up in the morning. Amen. Well, what a wonderful meetings these have been. This is supernatural power of God. Now, let me just say this. We've, we've talked about this privately and amongst ministers, men of God, women of God. Demonstrations of the power of God. Anointing of the Holy Ghost used to have such a magnetic pull to it. I mean, you could go rent a hotel ballroom, and if people knew that the power of God was in demonstration, you could gather a crowd, come in here and hear the Word of God and see a demonstration of the Spirit. And you know, the, the, as far as the kingdom of darkness was concerned, that's getting out of hand because so much of the demonstration of the defeat of Satan was taking place that the adversary began to bring great oppression against that type of ministry, that type of move. But you know, the thing about it is, is when you come out on the other side of a fight like that, you come out with an equipping that you didn't have when you went into that to break through some barriers you could have never broken through before. And I'm telling you, churches right now, many of them of this flavor have been under great oppression for many, many years, not just a couple of weeks or a couple of months. And that oppression, when it begins to break, there's a joy that comes, there's a flow that comes, there's an anointing that comes. And the enemy has really fought against that, especially about the past six to eight to ten months because he knows we're standing on the precipice of that right now. And I believe before we say the last amen tomorrow night, for every church and every ministry that has experienced that oppression, it's going to break. Now, one thing we've done here is we fought it. We have fought it with everything. We've prayed. We've interceded. And most of the fight has been with Lee and I, some other people that are close to us also. But I'm telling you, it has come to stop the move of God is what it's come to do. Thank God for great churches that gather great crowds. But if there's no demonstration of the power of God, what are you gathering? You gather 10,000 people in an auditorium, 5,000 people in an auditorium, get up and preach a message, make people feel good about themselves. Well, yeah, that's good. Everybody feels great. But I'm telling you, it takes the Spirit of God to set someone free. It takes an anointing to get the sick healed. It takes the power of God in demonstration to do that. The adversary knows that and has brought great oppression against that. But I'm telling you, we've stood our ground. We've declared the Word. And Jesus has scheduled our deliverance. Amen. Now lift your hands and thank God for that. Oh, we thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We worship you, Lord. We glorify you, Lord God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Father, we thank you for tonight. We love you. We glorify you. We thank you for what you're doing in this conference, Father. A deep work of your spirit. Adjustments that are being made. We thank you, Father, that the result in the next few weeks, months, and even into next year are going to be profound, supernatural, increase, blessing, breakthroughs like never before. We know it, Lord. We're not in the, in the place of believing it. We're in the place of knowing it. In Jesus' name. Thank you for protection upon our lives. As we go out and come in again, let our fellowship be sweet. 
In Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's 2019 Fall Harvest Conference podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah.